Hey, what is up? What's going on, everybody? Joe here, Radio 690 ADV, your host, Joe the 690. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I talked to myself in, like, in the third person. Anyway, um, happy Sunday, and hopefully you're having a pretty good day today. Um, hopefully you caught the video because I definitely caught enough flack over it or whatever. People took it way to a different level. I thought it was quite funny uh, on how many experts that are out there. But um, it, at the end of the day, it's still a video. Um, you don't have to be rude or any of that type of stuff. Just just, <laughs> just be a normal person. Don't be a jerk. Um, if you don't really have anything good to say, uh, just don't say anything, you know, or, or better yet, just don't even watch the video. But anyway, today is going to be really, really cool. We have some good stuff going on. Um, I have my special guest today, Mr. Chip Monahan. We're fixed to get him on the line here in just a second. Excuse me. <clears throat> and we're going to pick his brain on a bunch of stuff. He lives up in Nebraska. He's 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 a he's a he's a bike. He's a biker guy. He's a bike uh, a motorcycle guy. And he's probably had more motorcycles in the amount of time that I've known him over my 690 ADV channel and all that stuff. He follows on uh, YouTube. He also listens to the podcast and stuff like that. And he's super fun. He's super cool. He's totally down to earth. He's about the same age as me and uh, very, very cool. So we're going to get him on the line and we are going to pick his brain and uh, just check him out because he's a lot of fun. Uh, and I don't get to talk to him a whole lot, but the really cool thing is, is, uh, he is a bike guy and it's really cool to talk to, uh, uh, not only guys that follow the channel and the podcast, uh, but they really get out. He gets out and gets in it. I mean, gets in it. He really, really gets out. He's got a, he's got a, a tight knit group and it's very, very, very cool. Um, don't forget, if this is your first time, man, go ahead, hit the subscribe button, uh, hit the uh, thumbs up, and uh, don't forget, if you're on YouTube, hit that bell so that you're reminded of everything. We have literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of videos uh, from tips to reviews to all that type of stuff, and uh, I would like for you to be part of it. Don't forget, also subscribe to our podcast, too, because it's a lot of fun, man, and maybe we could pick up with it. We're trying to make it to where we can interview other bikers and, and, and adventure riders and stuff like that and, and get the information from from you guys on what's really cool on what you do and how you do it and what you do it on. So very, very cool. So we're going to give Chip a call real quick and uh, we're going to pick his brain, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. So stick around. Um, let's give him a quick call and uh, let's get after this thing. <clears throat> hey, he answered. you, buddy? I'm good, man. You? What is shaking bacon? <laughs> Just... Waiting for your call, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. I just kind of uh, uh, pimped everybody up and let them know a little bit about you. And uh, it's really more about uh, you uh, telling us about you and a little bit of your background and kind of the beginning. And I mean, you don't have to give the life story or anything like that, but it would be really cool if uh, you could let everybody kind of know your background, maybe when you got started and, and sort of where you're at, because I know we're roughly about the same age. Yeah, I got maybe a few years on you, but uh, I started riding in high school. Bought, bought my first uh, bike was a 1980 Kawasaki KDX-175. Nice. And back then, no internet. You know, I used to go to the library and get magazines and books and read, you know, read about it. And, right. Uh, Finally, finally bought a used one, and I rode the hell out of it for a lot of years. Well, for a few years. Right. Then after high school, I, I joined the military, uh, and 
eventually picked up a, like a 1986 KLR 600. Oh yeah, I've th- I've seen not, that not picture. Not a 650. Yeah, not a 650. A 600 back in the day. Yeah, uh, so that's that, that's, that's before the long span of the 650. Exactly, exactly. So, and I had that for a few years, and then it got stolen on me twice, and that was the end of that. <laughs> I'm sorry. And then I, I didn't laugh. ride from. Then I didn't ride for almost 20 years. Right. Um, and then one day, you know, I got three kids. Um, and I was pulling in a neighborhood, and I saw a guy with a with a uh, a Tahoe, with a rack on the back, with two bikes on the back, and I and I drove a, a Yukon XL, which is like a suburban type vehicle. Yeah, right. And I and that moment changed my life. I said, "Oh my God, I can get bikes!" And literally <laughs> within a, within about within about a week or two, I had a, I had a rack, a double rack. Right. And I had and I I purchased a um, a Honda 230F, I think it was little little trail bike. Yeah, right. And I and I got my son a little CRF eighty, right. And we were off to the races. That was it. <laughs> I mean, we rode the hell out of those things. Right. You know? so, and, <laughs> so that's pretty much uh, uh, the rest is history. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I, I have mine is very similar in the same way. You know, I mean, it started out uh, back with a buddy of mine. You know, when I was young too, and everybody's heard the story once or twice. I won't beat a dead horse, but. You know, I started out, you know, I mean, really, we started out, in, and I kind of hate to say it because it's kind of embarrassing a little bit, <laughs> and I I, don't, I know I haven't told you this, and I haven't really told anybody else. They always hear the XR100 thing, and then from that to the 125 and all that type of stuff, but uh, on ours, we first started, it was a buddy of ours, it was a moped, <laughs> and we used to do donuts on that thing. And we used to try to wheelie it and everything. And that's really kind of how we got started because that was the only thing around. You know, we didn't really have anything else. But those pedals would always get in the way, you know, <laughs> when yeah. you were, were doing whatever. But it was fun because we grew up – I grew up in Florida. I'm originally from Oklahoma, and then I moved to Florida when I was a kid. And, and uh, But that moped, uh, we just thought it was the coolest thing because it was two wheels and it was better than a bicycle. So – because we didn't have to pedal, really, if we didn't want to. So – uh, but that from that to the XR and then to other motorcycles, four wheelers, three wheelers, which everybody knows the the, the wonderful three wheeler from Honda. Um, they were a lot of fun. Um, and then I had the same type of scenario where I was out of it for literally like 20 something years. And my buddy basically um, we had a separation that we just kind of went our own ways. Not intentionally. It just happened. That's just life. And, uh, we kind of got back together again and, um, he's like, man, he goes, you got a bike. And I said, no. And he says, man, you really should get a bike again. I was like, man, my wife's not gonna let me get a bike, dude. And so I tell you what, I'll make you a deal. You talk her into getting me a bike and it's a done deal. He goes, give me time. He did. He talked her into it and she was totally against bikes. He totally talked her into it. And then that's how I got back in with a KLR 650. I got a 2007, the silver and black. And uh, started there, and then I just man, the rest is history. I've had like twelve bikes since then. So, yeah, for me it was it was about ten years ago when this happened when I when I found that that rack and that those two bikes, and from there I went to a um, rode that two two thirty for a couple of years. Then I bought a, a Yamaha oh eight Yamaha two fifty F. Right, had that for about four years, and I always I always liked Japanese bikes, and I used to you know. <clears throat> I used to think KTM's were way too expensive. I would never do that. They you know are too saying? expensive, to a, man. What are you talking about? I went to a hair scramble one time. I went to hair scramble several years back, and, and like 70% of all the bikes were orange. I thought, what is going on? And so I started researching it more, and I was starting to grow out of the 250. Right. 
and they ended up getting a uh, KTM EXC 350, and I loved it. Had it for a few years, um, and then I went then I went to a 500 and a 690. So now I've got several bikes, but it took me yeah, you know, you 10 got years several. to mature and grow and, and, and get to be a better rider and, and step it up one bike at a time. Yeah, no, exactly, and I know that you have because I follow your stuff, and I – well, <clears throat> let's just say there's a little jealousy here down in Texas. But it is what it is. It ain't what it ain't, and I'm not trying to whatever. But it's okay because I've seen your I've seen your arsenal of 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 bikes, and it it's one to salivate over on a lot of stuff. Because and we're gonna get into that here in just a few. Um, one thing I'm gonna throw out, and you've got the rest of the show or whenever we end up, whether it be in 30 minutes, an hour, an hour and 20 minutes, whatever. You can only have one bike, only one. You got to take everything and throw them all in the garbage. You can only have one. What is it going to be, and why does it got to be that bike? Because it doesn't matter. When that bike goes in your garage, you can never have another bike. You can have all the parts for that bike, but that's the only bike that you can have. So you've got the rest of the show to think about that one. Um, I've already got my pick, so I had it before we were going to do the show. And um, I will reveal that uh, towards the end of the podcast. All right. Now, back to you and bikes. You are a bike dude. I don't care what anyone says. I've followed you. I don't want to mention any of the things that you do, social media, any of that type of stuff. Um, People, if they want to find you, that's on their own. But I know that you've, man, more bikes than you can shake a stick at. And I know that you do stuff with your son. And it's really freaking cool on what you guys do. And if you could maybe, I know a little bit of the story, but if you could convey that to everybody on how it started, how many bikes you guys on what you've done over the years, and just give a little background of that. Because it's really cool because it just goes to show you that, you know, you can make this a family thing if you really, really want to. Sure, sure. Well, first of all, I'm not a big social media platform i'm not i'm not i'm not trying to get any publicity or any uh anybody followers or nothing like that so exactly i'm just a guy that rides but here's the deal when i bought those two bikes that little 80 for my son yeah we kept it for about a year and a half i paid 600 and i sold it for 800 then i bought him a, a crf 100 i paid 800 or i paid a thousand dollars for it and i sold it for 1200 and it, my son was 13 at that time and i said cj i think we're on to something here right so we went out and we bought a uh, an older CRF 100 for like $800. I think we put, wait, we paid $600, put $200 into it. Anyway, we both profited $200. And right. $200 in my 13 year old son's pocket was a big, big deal. Yeah, so back in the, yeah, I mean, forward, for a kid, I mean, 200 bucks, I hate to break, heck, I'm old guy and 200 bucks to me is nice. Yeah, so from that point forward, we just started buying bikes, you know, and uh, I think we probably, since in the last nine years, I think we probably flipped 55 motorcycles, which is a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, that's that's one uh, or two. And my friends are always teasing me around here about well, I'm always selling something. And But the fact is, years ago, I even did it more when he was younger. He's right. 22 now. He just turned 22. But um, and hell, he's he's flipping things. I mean, he just picked up a YZ the other day, uh, 14 YZ. Uh, 450 right picked up for a thousand within a week or two sold it for four thousand you know god 
but I've seen what you guys do too. It's really way more in depth than that, you know. And it's not that you're, you know, it's 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 a fair number what you sell them. You're not really trying to gouge people, um, what the market is. But I've seen the bikes, man, because you show me the before and after pictures, and I know you say that you you know. You, you do what needs to be done, but man, I tell you what, I've seen the befores and the afters and they just look really, really good. Well, here, here's, the, here's the situation. I, I, I feel like people don't want to market, you know, they take a picture of it leaning against a, a, a barn and they, it's all dusty. They take a picture of it. <laughs> That's so true. I take that exact same, I take that exact same bike and I clean the hell out of it. I power wash it. I, 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 I brush it. I clean it. I don't do a lot of mechanical stuff at all. Really? I literally just clean the hell out of it. Yeah. And then I take it to a nice lake or a nice picturesque kind of a place. I take multiple pictures close up and I just remarket the exact same bike. Yeah. And my philosophy that I taught my son is if we, if we buy it cheap, we can sell it cheap. The faster we can turn it, we can do it again. Yeah. So buy it cheap, sell it cheap. And uh, another something I've always said to him is, you know, pigs get fed hogs get slaughtered you know? <laughs> if, if we try to sell for too much money it's going to sit around for too long right and you're being greedy we got a good deal on it we put some elbow grease into it let's turn around and sell it and yeah because your time's worth something i don't care what anyone says yeah all of these jap a lot of these japanese bikes the drz's the you know the wr's any of the you know klx's and <clears throat> klr's you, you can almost buy them and ride them for free it's like right. free rental you yeah, know, you buy a bike for thirty five hundred dollars, you take good care of it, you resell it for thirty five hundred dollars. Yeah, <laughs> you know you can have that thirty five hundred dollars sitting in the bank, or you can have it sitting in the garage and enjoying it. You know, now you have to buy tires for it maybe, and yeah, right. change the oil, and there's there's a little bit of cost there. But generally speaking, we ride for free. Yeah, for at the profit. end of the yeah at the end of the day, you got some really cool equipment. I've seen some of the bikes that you've done, and you keep them for a little while. You make them look really pretty much amazing and you're always constantly got something different it's like you just did a what was yeah. was it a dr 650 a real a really really nice dr 650 and the Man. guy who had it he lived several hours away and he tried to sell it in a rural area and he knew he said listen i know when you take it back to omaha you're gonna get a thousand dollars more and that's about what i got i got about a thousand dollars more for it yeah i saw the pictures uh, that he, thing was awesome he couldn't market he, he was couldn't you know nobody wanted to drive a couple hours to get to him um, and I didn't mind going out there and grabbing it. Yeah, I think that's honestly the key is a lot of people. And I say it all the time is like, look, here's the deal. You know, I, I mean, I, I get lots of emails and I mean, lots of emails. My 690 inbox is loaded with emails and a lot of them are intermediate to new riders to guys that are street riders that are coming over. You know, they want a dual sport. They kind of want, you know, the enduro type stuff. And they're always asking like, oh, man, you know, I don't really have a whole lot of money. And I was like, well, here's the deal. Your, 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 your angle is, is wrong. Don't think that you don't have enough money. If you're saying you only got 50 bucks, well, then, yeah, you don't have enough money. But, you know, if you've got like 1500 bucks or 200 you know, or 2000 bucks or something like that, here's the deal. How much time do you want to spend and what are you willing to do to go get that bike? Like you said, two hours to go get that bike. And a uh, nice shirt, by the way. <laughs> he's, he's wearing the same, one of the original 690s. You know, those are collector's items because there are no more, and I'm never making another one. So um, right. uh, they're, they're, they're the original 
Uh, you actually almost all the original guys that follow the channel and everything uh, bought bought them all up. They're all they they went pretty quick, but that's what I get at is like what you're saying is is you're okay driving two hours to to go get a bike that's a pretty good deal. Um, bring it in, work on it a little bit, you know, turn a wrench a little bit, clean it up, put some elbow into it, um, and then and then do it, and then you got it for a thousand bucks. Whereas, yeah. well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I, I spent, you know, two hours and 15 minutes driving there, two hours and 15 minutes driving back, probably six hours into it or something like that. Yeah. Or some some guys spend $100 to go out golfing for six hours. Right, That's right. their hobby. Yeah. You know, it's just my hobby. It, it's, you know, I've got a full-time job, I, and I do find that, but this is kind of, I enjoy it. I enjoy the interaction. I enjoy the, the negotiation. I enjoy the cleanup. Um, you know, everybody's got their thing. Some people like tennis. Some people like golf. I, I I have fun doing that, but going back to these these motorcycles here, it's almost like you know you can have thirty five hundred dollars in your right pocket, right? Where you can all I'm saying is just take it out, buy the bike, and it's as if it's a different asset. It's just now in your left pocket. Yeah, so and it's not like it, you've just transferred it. Yeah, and it's not you like know? you know most of this stuff holds its value as long as it's taken care of. That's what I'm getting at. It doesn't, you know. Now if I now some of the bigger, more expensive bikes, and and particularly like some of the KTM's and. Yes, they do lose value, but some of these other ones have already bottomed out at three thousand twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah, if exactly. If you buy that bike, you're just taking your assets, moving from one pocket to the next. Right. You right. Know? Yeah, and I it's mean, it's not it, like you spent it; you're just holding on to it. Yeah, and you all you did it's 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 no different than it's actually it's probably better than the stock market. So <laughs> because you know, I mean, because there's always somebody out there uh, wanting to buy a bike, and it doesn't matter what you have; it doesn't matter if you have a WR. Uh, God, I, uh, I, I've told you the story of my WR250F. I, a, I sold it too cheap, and B, I should have never sold it. That was the stupidest thing I ever did in my life. Um, God, that bike was so much fun. But anyway, um, it doesn't matter whether it's a WR or a DR or a V-Strom, you know. And, and I want to talk. I'm going to get your brain. Uh, I'm going to pick your brain a little bit on V-Strom because I know you've owned one and um, get your thought on that bike. Um, a lot of people don't really categorize that bike as a dual sport or an adventure type bike. And, uh, I disagree, but I, w- I want to get your opinion on here in just a second. But the, uh, um, it, it, I mean, there's so many bikes that are out there, you know, and like you said, their, their investments is as long as they're a Japanese or a name brand bike, if it's somewhat cared for and it's not beat to crap, you know, they're not just flipping the throttle every five seconds and just, you know, just, killing that engine they're worth something and you can usually if you are willing to put the time in your due diligence you can find that bike my crf i mean i picked it up fully loaded i didn't have to put anything on it we did a few aftermarket parts with my son on it but we got a crf two a, two, a 2016 crf uh 250l um new tires aftermarket skid plate nice one um, rack. I mean, it was loaded. FMF pipe, the whole nine yards. Uh, uh, foot pegs, the whole nine yards. I got it for twenty one hundred bucks. Now he oh, wanted yeah, twenty five, but I negotiated him down. That bike was worth way more than that. But you know what? That's what it was worth to him. But I picked it up, and now I've done a little bit of extra work, and it's and it's worth more than that. And I know that. Mm-hmm. But it's it's like you said, it's an investment on my end because it's not going to lose value because I take very good care of my bikes. And if you buy anything from me, you're getting a good deal, and you're going to get something that's actually going to yeah. run and it's going to be taken care of. Yep. 
I'm telling you what, what some of these younger guys that are either trying to talk their parents into it or their wife or their girlfriend, if they just show them, hey, look, this bike is $3,500, it's an, it's an 08, and all the other 08s are still going that, 06s and 05s are still going for that. It's just a matter of, you know, moving the money from your bank account to putting it in the garage for a while and having fun with it. And when I get done with it in two years, I'll sell it. I'll, repl- I'll put it back in the bank account or something, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's and not, it's, it's not like you know, you're out that money. And that's the thing exactly. is parents, parents don't I think understand. People think that, yeah, people think they're going to have to spend the money and it's gone. It's not gone. It's, it's you know, it's, it's, to me, it, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, it's an asset now. I mean, you own it and it's, yeah. and it's, the thing is, is it's cash that you can drive. Mm-hmm. Hey, let me go back to selling these bikes. A little bit of advice, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, the guy who who I bought this DR from, he he had washed it with a hose, you know, you know, got some soap and water and cleaned it, but you know it wasn't clean. But you get a good power washer, you can get into places that regular hose and stuff can't get to, you know. Yep. And then I I um I spray the bikes with uh, like a tire spray or there's I think it's. SE SE one is a product I think it's called. Right. Uh, and detailers use it, and you spray it on all the black hoses and everything like that. And it looks makes it look shiny, brand new again. Yeah, and it also protects it too, which is nice. So yeah. once the but yeah. the end user so, gets that bike, it's it's going to be protected for a while. So when you do things like that, uh, you know it just makes things. Those are little tips there. Another little tip is when you're selling the thing. You know, I not only list it on marketplace but i'll also I'm, I'm a member of several groups you know right. writing groups and I'll, I'll i'll repost it in those writing groups and oftentimes i'll get the sale from one of those writing groups and somebody didn't see it on necessarily on facebook marketplace but they're they're on you know colorado adventure page all the time and they happen to see it there right but they're not they're not going into marketplace every day looking for a bike but they just happen to see one on the on the page they're on right you know yeah, and I mean that's it's little, that's the other thing too is a lot of a lot of people don't realize, um, and I I mean I just I just found it not too long ago. I think you've been using it way longer than I have, but Facebook Marketplace it's a great place. I mean you can find a lot of really good deals on there, and it's way better. My personal opinion, I don't know your opinion, than Craigslist, uh, but you can find deals on Craigslist. I will say that. I but I've been I've dealt with some pretty shady people on Craigslist. Um, and I like marketplace cause it allows me to really dial into my area, uh, where yeah. I'm really looking at, you know, cause I can do a, a, a circumference, you know, of how many miles I'm willing to travel. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Which is sure. nice. You know, some of the places here in Nebraska, um, they're actually have like a Facebook marketplace meetup place and things like that where there's cameras and such. Right. Um, but a lot of times, not a lot of times, but once in a while, I, there's a high school, not you know, about a half a mile from me, and I'll tell people, hey, listen, I'll meet you at you know this particular high school because there's cameras in the parking lot. Yeah. That way you're protected and I'm protected. Right. So right away I'm looking, I'm telling them, hey, listen, I'm going some neutral ground where there's a camera. So if they don't show up, maybe they were shady, or if they're worried about me, now they're less worried because they know there's cameras there. You know. Yeah. So that's another little another little technique that that kind of, you know, people that are real worried about it. I just had a friend of mine uh, was selling a um, a part from a mo- selling a motorcycle actually. He sold it, and these people were coming from very r- rural Nebraska. Actually, actually, I take that back. They were coming from South Dakota. Right. And he was so worried 
this guy was so worried about coming to the big city of Omaha because <laughs> he was worried about getting mugged or something like that, or yeah. worried that this guy was going to rip him off, you know. Um, you know, people get worried about things and things like that. Uh, anyway, I just, the neutral ground works out for certain people or certain things or parts or this or that, you know. Uh, and, and mentioning, specifically mentioning the cameras, you know, eases people's mind. Yeah. Well, so that's it, something I use. Yeah, because a lot of people, they think, oh, man, they're... they're it's too good of a deal there. I'm going to get robbed or I'm going to that. So, you know, yeah. that is nice. They even have it here too. Um, for marketplace. It's like a meetup or something like that where you can go. And it's the same thing with the cameras and all that stuff. It's close to the police station and things like that, you know, but, yeah. um, you know, my thing is, you it's know, with, just with marketplace. So, excuse me, I'm sorry. No, you're good. With marketplace. You know, you can, you can at least look at a profile and every once in a while you can look and see if you have a mutual friend or something like that. Right. It uh, or they know people, or you see what groups they're in, or commonalities. With with, you know, Craigslist, there's none of that. So no. I pretty much don't use Craigslist anymore at all. It's pretty much all marketplace. Yeah, Craigslist, I've kind of backed away. As a matter of fact, I haven't even looked at it in quite some time. It's uh, it's just too. I, I don't care for it a whole lot. It's not really my thing. But um, yeah, I, I just try to stay away from it. You know. So mm-hmm. anyway. You know, let me, let me, yeah, go let, ahead. Me, let me, let me go on a little further here. For example, you know, a DRZ or a WR or a KLR, you know, one of the things I do, if I lock in on the KLR, I'll just check, you know, my local area, uh, several cities near me, you know, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'll look yeah. at, you know, Grand Island, Nebraska, out West. I'll look at Kansas city. I'll look at, uh, Minneapolis, you know, I get a real feel for what that bike is worth. And then every once in a while, you, you could do that. You'll see one that's lower than everybody else, you know. Right. And I just keep doing that. And then I'll, I'll, and I'm not one to, to lowball a guy. I'm just, hey, listen, I'll just ask him flat out, will you take this much or this or that or you know, or, or go see it or, but I, I identify the low one in the market and I go out and grab it, and then I clean the hell out of it and I just literally remarket it. But so, anybody looking to, to flip bikes, that's kind of some of the things I do. Um, yeah. Yeah, I tell you what, they would that actually would be kind of a, a a fun podcast to maybe sit back and somewhere in the future, not right now, maybe do a, a private podcast um and host it on my deal um for a lot of the some of my Patreons and some of the other guys that are out there. Um if they're willing or they're wanting to get into a type of deal like what you do maybe you could we could do a podcast and you could teach them some of the techniques that you do and show them um i wouldn't want to publicly do it it's just one of those things you know i mean you it's basically taking away from all the hard work that you've done and it's not fair to you to uh uh you know your time is worth something i don't care what anyone says um if you have something that nobody else knows truly how to do it and you can learn from that person um, for something minimal next to nothing. I mean, it's, but, but it would be very cool. It would be up to you. We could talk about it later. It's not something that has to be discussed right now, hundred percent, but um, I think it would be really kind of cool, you know, just you mentioning it because it's very interesting, you know, cause there are techniques to this stuff on finding and getting bikes. I'm pretty good at finding and getting bikes. Um, I just have too many right now. I've got, I've got three I need to sell, but it would be interesting maybe between the two of us, we could really help some of these guys learn and maybe they could turn something that they didn't think they could afford to get 
into maybe a fun thing to get into it and then turn it into maybe some kind of a passion of maybe flipping some bikes just so that they can ride and have different bikes and test the waters and, sure, sure. and all that stuff. Cause it's really kind of cool. You know, I'm one of those things. I don't mind helping people. Um, I, I, I do it with my kids all the time, you know, but, uh, it, it would be fun to maybe have a, uh, a little session to, yeah. to well, teach people how to what, do it. I'll tell you what this has done for, for myself, you know, because my son was so into it, we, we, you know, he's also, he also started a lawn business and he, and he's bought and sold a few lawnmowers. In fact, he just bought one for 3,500, had it for four days, listed for one day and sold it for $4,900. Okay? <laughs> yeah. But he knows the market, but he, I, yeah. he's ta- I've taught him over the years. But what this has enabled and afforded me to do is I do take a lot of trips. You've seen a lot of my videos and, yeah. and things like that I've shared with you. Well, my wife is totally on board because nothing I do or spend on motorcycles comes out of the family budget. Um, last two months, I made $1,700 in flipping bikes, you know, and she yeah. knows this, you know. So when I want to go on, on a trip to Moab or Colorado or South Dakota and I'm going to stay for a few days or whatever, she has no problem because it doesn't touch the family budget. You know? Right. And, and see, a lot and, of people, if they, if they were to truly just totally, if I just threw them out there, and I'm not mentioning where you're at and all the things that, you know, the, 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 you know, the, even social media, all that type of stuff. But if they, if they were to follow a lot of the videos that you put out, the pictures that you put out, the thing, I mean, people would think you were just, I mean, and, and it doesn't, your financial situation is nobody's business, but they'd be like, holy mackerel, this guy's like a world traveler. And I want to talk about trips here in a second, but they would be like, oh my God, but they don't realize what you're saying right now is that it doesn't come out of your personal bank account. You, you, you finance all the fun and cool stuff by doing what you already are doing, having fun yep, that, with, that's with, with the bikes. True. In fact, I, I just told my wife yesterday, a friend of mine's going to be out in Colorado for a number of weeks in an Airbnb. And, uh, I, I literally just told her last night, hey, listen, uh, I'm thinking I'm going to run out to Colorado for five days, two <laughs> days of driving, three days of riding. Yeah. Because because I can um, and because, you know, the, the, this this hobby of mine. Yeah. As can support it, you know. Uh, That's the cool so thing it, about it. it. Just, People don't realize yeah. that you can do that. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I've got a few bikes like you have a few bikes. Yeah. But the fact is. I literally have financed these bikes through all these deals. I'll tell you one, one, one deal that was really, really good, my best deal probably, okay? Right. This was years ago. I was looking for a, more of an adventure-type bike, and it, and it happened. I happened to get a V-Strom. So we can talk about this V-Strom situation. Yeah, here, well, okay? th- yeah go ahead. Well, I'm going to give away another technique I used, okay? Well, on ADV Rider, uh, there's a flea market area, and there's bikes for sale, right. okay? And so I wanted a V-Strom, and I wanted a 2012 or newer. You get well, a thousand or the six fifty. I got the six fifty. Okay, gotcha. But I was able to sign up for email alerts, and this was back in like 2013 or something like oh, that. Oh man, okay? yeah, this was years ago. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I would get like 30 or 40 email alerts a day of things for sale. I did this for probably two months or something like that right all these freaking emails every day you know but one day on a friday on a, on a sunday morning at 10 40 a.m in the morning an email popped up with a v-strom for sale yeah 
it was about a $7,500 to $7,500 V-Strom. The guy was asking $3,000. God. <laughs> but it was eight hours away in Chicago. But I called the guy right away. Man. And, and he said, listen, if you come today, I'll honor it because I'm getting all kinds of other emails and calls on it. But if you were the first to call me, if you want it, I'll give it to you for the $3,000, okay? It's so, a deal. <laughs> and I was going, I was, I was, we, were leaving, we were leaving for church in five minutes. So I had yeah. to go to church. I got back from church, called the guy, said, hey, you still going to honor it? Yes, I'm still going to honor it. Well, I only had $800 at home, okay? Right. Well, my next-door neighbor is, a, is he's Nigerian and he's an attorney. I knocked on his door at like 1230, in, you know, uh, on a Sunday morning, and I asked him <laughs> if he had money. You know, I had no place else to get the money quickly. The guy opened his wallet on a Sunday morning at 1230 and pulled out $2,200 out of his pocket, out of his Man. wallet. <laughs> I took that $3,000, and I drove straight to, straight, straight to um, uh, Chicago, got there like 8 o'clock at night, and I, didn't, I, and I drove – and I, we loaded it for like it took us an hour or two to load or something like that. And I drove straight back. I think I got back like eight o'clock the next morning. Yeah. But the bottom line is that bike helped me finance a lot of different things because I had a lot of equity in that bike right away. Yeah, yeah. Because um, it was a, it was a deal right out of the gate, and to find a V-Strom for three grand, I had oh, to break the news crazy. to you. That's a deal. That's a deal. Oh, it was it was it was a. I could have literally turned around the next day and sold for seven thousand dollars. I know I could have. Yeah. So. But I had to go through like a month and a half of 30 emails a day, sorting through things and checking things out, you know. Yeah. I was patient, though, you know. That's key. So let's, let's, let's talk about that, that bike being a, being a, a, a dual sport. It wasn't, it's not a dual sport, but I can tell you what. We had a big – we've got a big – for about 10 years, it was a big um, dual sport ride here in Nebraska. Right. And I took that bike. It's a 212-mile route with some sand and some mud and everything else like that. And I, I, and this particular bike had a steering stabilizer on it. It had, you know, I, oh, it nice. had, uh, I, it had a, um, you know, skid plate, and I put some nice tires on it and stuff. Anyway, I did. I, I rode that bike just like a dual sport. Yeah, uh, and you can a, a bigger adventure bike, you know. Um, so it can be done. Yeah, I mean, I did uh, on mine. I had a, uh, <clears throat> I had a V-Strom, uh, the 650, the Wii, as everybody calls it. Um, and I had a lot of guys going, oh, that's not this, and it's not that, and it's not. I'm like, okay, look, here's the deal. A bike is what you want it and are willing to make it. That's my opinion. I can go get a Honda Rebel with banana bars, and I can go off-road with it. And it's a dual sport in my eyes if I want to, because really all I need is I need to change the tires in order to make it actually sort of get through i'm not going to say it's going to be fantastic it, it's not um but back to the v-strom my 650 that motor which is the vs or is it, i think it's the vs650 it's the, they share the same motor um yeah that thing is probably for a twin is one of my favorite motors of any motorcycle i've ever ridden it is smoother than a bmw uh, it's, it's response time is better than BMW and some of the KTMs that I've ridden, um, in the twins, not the singles. The singles are always different, but, uh, it's just, and it's bulletproof. It's totally proven. That engine is so proven and it's so old and it's, 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 it's not hard to work on. 
Um, and it's very, very smooth. And you can really, you can just, it, we like to call it, we can crunch miles like Tic Tacs on that thing. I mean, you can literally, I mean, I did an East Coast run on it. We did 4,000 miles in seven days and left out of Dallas, went all the way to Dragons. We just, we had to do it because we were supposed to meet somebody that never showed up. But anyway, we still did the trip. Um, but, uh, yeah, we went all the way through the Smokies and all that stuff. Loop around, drove all the way back to Dallas. Um, pouring rain, all of it, you know, a, a trip's not really a trip unless you get rained on, I don't think. But, but that V-Strom in general, and I've also taken it out west too, it will, you can put that thing through some crap and it will do it. It ain't going to do it fantastic, but you can do it and you can get through it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting. I had that bike about two years, and I was down in uh, – I don't do a lot of road riding, actually. Uh, I'm almost purely a dual-sport guy. Um, I did have that I did have that V-Strom for a while, and I was always in a, a, lot, of, a lot of gravel roads and, and minimum maintenance roads here in Nebraska and Iowa. That's I, I rode it on, you know. But I, I didn't even – I did not even commute to work with it. I just didn't – not a very big street kind of guy. But right. there was another guy I knew um, – was asking me, hey, do I want to buy his his uh, Tiger 800? And it was newer than my it was newer than my V-Strom, you know. Yeah. And I I took that V-Strom to to on one of the rare on one of the really only two street bike trips I've ever taken. I took it to Northern Arkansas, and I was with some Harley guys. And but I, I remember going up and down all these twisties and hills and thinking I must yeah. have said in my helmet to myself about 30 times, I am never selling this bike. I'm never selling this bike. I got it so cheap, <laughs> such a great bike, you know. It's fun but in you know the 20s. It was December of 16, and um, this guy kept asking me for months, do I want, it, do I want this 800 do I want, or 800, 800? Well, finally, he, he made it so damn cheap. It was like $6,000, and I only paid you know, 3000 for this bike. I basically did a trade Yeah. Uh, through a dealer situation. Kind of this is a little more complicated, but the fact is I used that bike to move, step up to a Tiger 800 Uh and I rode that for a while too, um, but it was again one of these spectacular deals. Yeah, uh, and that's why I did it. So th- those are the two bigger adventure bikes I've ever had. Everything else has been pretty much smaller s- since then and before then. Right. You know. Well, um, since you mentioned the Tiger Eight Hundred, I want your opinion on that bike because I've ridden one, and uh, <clears throat> I want your opinion on it. I truly opinion. Did you actually take it off road, like off road? At all. You know, here's here's the thing. I, I I felt almost as if I could take my V-Strom off-road better than that thing. Believe it or not, uh, uh, it was okay. very very top-heavy. Yes, I, I didn't I didn't like it. Um, I did not like it off-road. I could do simple gravel roads with it, and some minimum maintenance roads. But if it got any kind of nasty or stuck, it was heavy, uh, and I didn't like it off-road. But on on the road with that triple engine, it was fantastic. Oh. I absolutely loved it. Smooth as butter. Yeah, great bike to have. But yeah, tri- uh, yeah that triple motor. Anything, hmm. that, that anything muddy or steep or, or you know, kind of tall seat and top heavy on top. Yeah. So no, I didn't like it off road. Did not like it off road. Yeah, my experience with it was, I love the look of it. I mean, as far as adventure bikes go, it's. Oh yeah. I like the look. I really do. I think the look is amazing. I think uh, Triumph does a, 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 you know, they, they do a really good job on the, you know, the 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 look part of it it totally fits mm-hmm. the part or as i like to say i'm very much like you i it's it's very tippy 
Um, I didn't care for the, the seat was kind of okay. I thought it was a little, I don't know. It, it just, it didn't feel right. It, it felt worse than my KLR as far as the balancing of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the one thing that stuck out on me, and I don't know, maybe you'll chime in after it. Um, for guys that may be looking, going, oh, man, I really like the look of it. You know, Here's the deal. I, my personal opinion is I could deal with almost all of it. The one thing I couldn't deal with was off-road with it was the throttle. Okay, Their fly-by-wire is awful. It almost has a delay to it, especially in sand or anything in the loose. Um, it didn't. The throttle didn't flow with what my brain was wanting it to do. Does that what make sense? The bike? Huh? Yeah, what year was the bike? Uh, it was, was a it 20, what was it, a 2015? I think it was a 2015 uh-huh. or a 2016. Because I was looking I to had, buy I, one because I yeah. it was either that or it was going to be, uh, no, it was, yeah, it was a 2016. Uh, because I was I was tinkering between that and the, uh, the BMW F800. And I ended up going with the 800 because of that. You know, I had a 13, and it wasn't geared as well as, as the newer ones. The newer ones, the 15s, 16s, and, and, and even newer, are, I think, are much better. And I think that even that new 900 that they have out now is even far superior than that. But, yeah. Um, the 13 wasn't geared very well, very high first gear. Yeah. Um, it, it just it didn't. I mean, like, like my KTM. I mean, if I'm thinking instant giddy-up, I mean, like, literally – it's almost faster than my brain can process when I pull the throttle down with the fly-by-wire, which I really, really love because I don't have to guess if it's going to be there. I just noticed on the, the Tiger that it almost has a hesitation, and then it goes mm-hmm. from 0 to 900 RPM you know, sure. uh, instantaneously. And if you ride off-road, and, and if you're listening to this podcast, um, you'll understand that if you're wanting to kind of feather the throttle uh, off-road, I mean, you definitely want RPMs, but you don't want it instant because you'll bury out really, really fast. And um, I don't know. It just, it was just real. I just didn't care for it a whole lot. It just spun. It, it was like zero to complete spin up, you know, instantly. And I didn't care for sure. that. It just, it, it sure. just, you know, I, I didn't care for it. But on the road, oh my god, that 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 triple is. It's probably one of the best motors out there. Hey, let me tell you two quick stories in relation to this, this Tiger 800, okay? Um, oftentimes, I feel like people don't like to buy a bike at a, at a dealership. They think it's going to cost too much or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, some people like used, you know? But the fact is, when I got rid of my, uh, my, V-st- my V-Strom, I did trade it in through a dealer. And the guy who owned the bike worked at the dealer. The bottom line is... I was treated very fairly, and I got I got I got to get rid of my V-Strom, and I got a Tiger 800, and the dealer experience was excellent. Right. And I feel like I really came out uh, on the dollar side, on the positive side. And then after riding that t- Tiger 800 for about two years, kind of a similar situation. There was a Ducati dealer here in town. They had a 2012 690 that I was looking at, and I wanted to buy. Right. You know, I want I was done with the big adventure bike. I wanted a 690. I kind of liked what they had there, but it was an it was a 2012, and I wanted a 15 or newer, because a little couple engine issues and difference with the 690s. I wanted a newer one, you know, but they didn't quite have it. But what ended up, they, and they had they had had a uh, 
Tiger 800, or excuse me, a BMW F800 yeah. trade in earlier, and they sold it right away. The adventure bikes were hot. Yeah. Um, so he wanted my he wanted my uh, my Tiger 800, but he didn't. I didn't want their bike. <laughs> but he had another he had another customer. Yeah. Who wanted a desert sled, which is a Ducati Scrambler, I guess you know. Mm-hmm. But he had he had a 2015 uh, KTM 690. Oh, nice. So what we did, which is an unusual situation, I think they only do a couple of year, what's called an in and out kind of situation, where basically I traded in my my um, Tiger 800, which the dealership did want, and they gave me his his trade in directly to me without going through the dealership, so to speak. Oh, nice. You know, it was called an in and out, and again. The guy at the dealership there traded me very fairly, uh, and I felt like I, again, I, I used the equity from that V-Strom to the 800 to the 690, which <laughs> I currently have. Yeah, it's a so nice one two, too, by the way. Two excellent, I had two excellent positive dealership experiences with trade-ins, uh, which sometimes they, you know, they really put the screws to you. But in both cases, I felt like, you know, so so don't. I, what I'm getting at is some people will avoid the dealership on a trading because they don't think it'll work out or this and that. Yeah. Sometimes these dealerships are getting rid of things because they need to get rid of things. They're overstocked or they don't want a certain bike or whatever. So yeah. I just my point or my tip is don't overlook the experience of a dealership there. Right. Right. Yeah. And dealerships, I've 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 had good and I've had bad. I've had it on both sides of the of the ball. Um, yeah. My F800. Um, I had a GSA and. Uh, I don't even want to get into that with the dealer. <laughs> it was, it was horrible. Nothing is what it was supposed to be, you know. Uh, but my KTM on the other side, um, KTM North Texas, Todd over there, good buddy of mine, um, SLMRacing.com. A uh, little bit of a prop to them. Um, fantastic. I mean, it, it was really really good i mean they were super super cool everything that they said happened you know but my bmw on the other hand was a european motorcycle company here in dallas fort worth and uh the bike was you know i was like look man i, I really want this bike before thanksgiving because i really wanted i had a couple things i wanted to do it's like oh man don't worry about it they're we're gonna try to pick one up out of out of austin for you you know because i want the katamala green and it was like the color, and they couldn't keep them in stock. So, I mean, they only had one in Austin, and the guy in Austin basically told him to go, you know, jump, you know, off a bridge. He's like, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not doing a, a dealer trade, you know, uh, a sure. white one for that. So he's like, well, they won't do that. So, but you're in luck. Um, we're going to just get it straight from Germany, and they'll just, they'll ship it here. And it's going to be on time. Perfect. Sounds good. Went in, got all the paperwork done, got all the the financing done, everything. Um, Here it is about a week before Thanksgiving, and I give them a call, and I'm like, hey, man, where are we at? Oh, well, let's just pull the tracking. What do you mean pull the tracking? It should already be in your freaking warehouse. You should already be putting it together. Well, they couldn't find it. Somewhere between Germany and New York City. And they couldn't give me nothing. Long story short was, is I just got the runaround until right before the 1st of January is when I finally got it. It was like the week, somewhere in the week of the the 1st of that. So 
good and bad on the dealership side. But like I said, I've had KTM. They were fantastic to me. They did everything they said. The bike came in when it was supposed to come in. Um, the, the, the maintenance they put, you know, we, we custom built that bike. It's one of the only KTM six nineties of its kind of the way that it's been built. Um, and, uh, matter of fact, he sold many bikes from it because he put it on his, he asked if he could leave it on the showroom floor for a week so people could look at it because it was all dressed up with all the stuff. Cause I, I mean, I had a specific list of things that I need because I go out West, you know, um, when we, actually do get to get out and go you know get out in it um you know new mexico arizona utah colorado montana wherever we're going and i needed it specifically set up for that area you know what i'm saying what did, what did you do specifically that was a unique to that build well i just you know i mean i had the suspension completely customized uh for the type of riding that I do, you know, they set it up for me, you know, for uh, pretty much heavy duty off road, you know, because that's really what I wanted. I wanted the suspension. Um, I wanted the dampening uh, for, you know, uh, lots of rocks because some of the things that we do, some of the Jeep trail stuff like, you know, like you, Black Bear, uh, Engineer, Emoji, uh, Imogene, I'm sorry. Um, all those type of stuff, you know, I mean, there's, you know, you can't use a YouTube video and and go oh man they're just coasting over that no they're coasting over it because they know what the hell they're doing some of those rocks dude are this literally they are baby's heads you know and lemons and grapefruits and you know as well oh, as i do it huh been there done that i yeah. know what you're talking about yeah <laughs> so you know you know and, and they see people right over that stuff and that's why i always try to tell people you know take youtube with a grain of salt before you start doing this stuff you know and if you're gonna go do that stuff make sure you've got the right tool for the job i always try to say that so um but back to the bike that's what it was really built around um it, it had to be light I, I have a saying i call light tight do it right so i needed it as light as possible but I also needed to be able to handle the things that I like to do. I love to adventure camp. So um, giant loop gear is what I run with. Um, it's super light. It weighs nothing. I can put everything that I need into that. Uh, the rear end was uh, beefed up a little bit. Uh, let's see. Um, I got the actual uh, rally racing. Everything was all KTM rally. Uh, you know, the really, really nice stuff, you know, but they gave me, but the thing is they gave it to me for such a great deal. I couldn't even buy it for as cheap as they were selling it to me. That's that, that was the kicker. That's why I bought everything through the dealer is because Todd and those guys just took care of me. I got the rally, uh, foot pegs, you know, the overextended ones that are actually, they're an inch and a half to two inches wider, which are nice. Cause my boot actually sits on it perfectly. Um, Let's see the uh, the actual KTM Rally skid plate. I mean, literally, it weighs nothing when you take it off to do an oil change. I mean, you can, I mean, you can use your pinky and your 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 thumb, you know, and just sling it around. It weighs nothing. It's true aircraft anodized aluminum, which is really really nice. Uh, the the bark busters, you know, everybody's like some guys. I don't like them because it's actually they're dangerous. And I got other guys. Yeah, but I tell you what, if you've ever smacked a tree on a single track um, without one, yeah, you'll go get one because I've done it and it sucks. It's 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 not much fun. Uh, the light was completely done, Cyclops. It was basically ripped out. The whole Cyclops was put in. I don't know what's in. Do you have a Cyclops in yours? Uh, no. Okay. <clears throat> the Cyclops 
I didn't even know it existed. And I heard the, you know, horror stories of the KTM headlights. It's true. They absolutely suck. It's one thing that they, you know, the guy should be kicked in the head, um, whoever invented it, because it doesn't even work. It doesn't even work. But with the Cyclops, it's basically, it's an LED. Uh, you can pick them up cheap now. When I bought it, it was like $170. But now I think you can pick them up for like 70 bucks for the, the KTM. Um, and it's super bright. It's like... 15,000 lumen or something like that. It's it's insane. It literally lights up everything. Um, the filler neck in the back, I'm sure you've got a CJ Designs or something like that on yours. Yep, I do. Yep, I do. Um, that's what I've got on mine. Um, and then I've got the uh, the Baja lights on the front, which are ultralight, and they will light up a football field, uh, and they draw almost no power because you know as well as I do, if you pull the seat off of a KTM 690, Man, you can't even stick a straw under there. I mean, there's literally no room. You know, I'm used to having like a like a V-Strom where you can like, you know, put a sandwich and a water bottle, you know, under the seat, you know, and stuff like that, like with my 800. But the 690, there's no, there's nothing underneath the seat that you can, you, you can't do anything uh, under there. So you got to be pretty meticulous in, in all your wiring and all that type of stuff. Uh, what else did they do to it? Um, the whole rear end was a rip. They ripped the whole rear end off. It's actually the European style. Um, I forget what he called it. He has it in the build sheet, but it's it's he called it a fender eraser, but it's not really. But it's it's actually off of a European KTM model that they don't sell in the United States, but it fits the 690, um, and it keeps it really, really, really nice and trim yeah. in the back end. Sounds like you did a build your own beta. Yeah, that's kind of what I yeah that's kind of that's kind of what I did, but it was a lot of fun. But they gave me a great deal, you know, because the KTM's. I mean, you you said it earlier in, in the in the podcast. KTM's are not cheap. They're not cheap, you know. I, I honestly, I truly, you got to pay to play these days. That's that's the rule. I I that's my opinion. Um, and there's nothing wrong if you can't afford a KTM. Don't sit there and say, oh, don't bash KTM because you can't afford one. Okay. Well, but, I, I question I question my spending on the KTM's all the time when I see these other bikes that are you know, I, you know every time I go on a long trip some, somewhere there's always a guy in a DRZ or a WR who paid a third or half of what I paid and they're doing the same thing I'm doing so it, but I will say when I buy the when I do spend the money on the KTM's and I've only had three of them um, you do get the power to weight ratio is superior to the Japanese bikes for the most part. And the, the 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 I mean the weight and the power is just so much more power and less weight, uh, and yeah. that's that's fantastic when you go in places. Uh, yeah, and that's what you're paying for. Basically. Yeah, and that Quality and that's parts. it. That's what I try to tell everybody. I was like, look, I said, KTM, you're you're what you're paying for is the R and D that goes into that bike. Throw all the plastics yeah. off of it. Don't sit there and say, oh, well, this is chintzy. Well, of course it's chintzy. You're paying for that ladder frame that that engine is sitting in. You're paying for the guy that had to sit there and figure out how to have that engine basically float and hang underneath that ladder frame. It's chrome molly, which is, if you don't know what that is, then you just need to just go get on Google and dig into it and figure out why chrome molly is a really big damn deal. 
um, in the frame. Sure. They sure. powder coat everything. And everybody's like, oh, but you'll see the pictures here and there of the guys going, oh, well, my frame cracked here and my frame cracked. Yeah, because – and look at the bike too. It's 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 red and black. You probably haven't washed it in eight years. You've probably dumped it a thousand times, you know, and eventually that stuff just wears on itself. You can't just keep crashing a motorcycle and expect it to sit there and last forever. You know what I'm saying? Sure. sure. <laughs> so I hate it when people bash bikes. Um, it led the famous one is the unreliability of the KTM. It's like, man, what what rock do you live under? You, you know, and yeah. I'd say, oh, well, I'd rather have a Honda. Look, I, I love Honda, but don't sit there and bash KTM. They don't win Dakar for 18 straight years in a row because they're, they suck and they're unreliable. <laughs> if you saw what they put those bikes under, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Uh, Honda did win last year, though. <laughs> they, did, they did. Hey, hey, Ricky Brayback. Hey, I was, I was rooting for him. I mean, you know, an American. Oh, I was too. Yeah, an American getting over there and taking care of business. I mean, that, that was awesome, you know. So, yeah. But back to the KTM and the expensive, I mean, it's okay not to have enough money to, to, to buy one, you know. But like you said, work your way up to it. It's not like you just went out and bought a KTM. You bought no, this, exactly, bike, this exactly. bike, this bike, this bike, and eventually it worked out that you, you know, you got some, some KTM bikes in your, you know, in, yeah. your, in your garage, which is really awesome. Sure. So, sure. so let's, let's, let's bring this circle back around to your original question about which single bike which we own, would we own. Oh, yes, yeah, okay, that's fine, that's fine. Yeah, because okay, you can only have one bike. If and... I can only have one bike, you know, and I've had a lot of them. You know, Why? I, I've, I've, I've owned makes... or ridden or uh, <laughs> I've ridden almost everything there is out there, really. I mean, uh, I've had a lot of different things. But yeah. So, you know, the question, the answer is going to be different for everybody depending on where their st- what their style is and what yep. part of the country they live that, in that's and things it. like that, you know. And interest, um, too. I think the I, interest can be a big deal. Yeah. I, I'm here in Nebraska where there's a lot of flat gravel roads and things like that or minimum maintenance roads. Right. And I've got to travel a little bit of time to get to these places from my house on the street, you know. Yeah. So I need a bike that is good on the street, good in the dirt. And I need a bike that has longer maintenance intervals. You if know? you pick the same bike as me, I'm going to freak out because there's no way you're picking I don't, my I don't, bike. I, 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 I pretty much know we're not going to – I think I know what your <laughs> bike is already, and I think you know what mine is already. Okay. But, all uh, right. All right. Well, so we're not going to come to the same conclusion. But the bikes – the two bikes I think we're going to both land on, everything I'm going to say about these bikes, they do the exact same thing, I think. Okay? I will say I think yours is a Japanese bike. Mine's going to be a Japanese bike, right? Nope. <laughs> Oh, maybe I'm all all wet here. Okay, well, mine is a Japanese bike, okay? Yeah, that's okay, because here's the deal. I already know that whatever you pick is going to be a very sound pick, and it's going to be – I I could see where I would take it to. You may or may not like my pick, but I'm going to give you the reasoning behind my pick. Yeah. So, like I said, I'm not a big street guy, so I need something that's a dual sport. I need it to go – places you know um if i want to put racks on it i can do that right uh um i i i i want to be able to go on the highway so i like six gears yep so uh, 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 you know that that eliminates uh a couple of the bikes that people might be thinking about at the moment here um the bottom line is, I'll tell you what the bike is. You ready for it? <laughs> yeah, but you gotta you gotta tell me why though. You got I know you go. I know well, you got you gotta have some street. You gotta have a little dirt. But I just I just want to know the reasoning behind this specific bike 
Uh, when well, you... the reason the reason is it can it can go in the street for miles and miles and miles. Okay, so you can crunch miles. And, yes, and you when you see the guys who are doing the 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 Tat uh, Trans American Trail, yeah, well, you yeah, see guys that are doing that are doing the the uh, BDRs uh, backcountry discovery routes. Yeah, I think I know. I think is, I know the bike. <laughs> this bike is in there all the time. When you see yep. guys going up over, over Engineer Pass and doing all these big rides, you see this bike all the time. Okay? Right. Yep. It's not the fanciest bike or anything like that, but it does the business, as I, you say. I know what it is. You know? <laughs> and the fact is, it's a WR250R. Okay? Really? Yes. Yeah. I have one right now. Okay? I just purchased one. I know. You're supposed to. $2,600. It supposed had 1,300 miles me. on it. <laughs> uh, the bottom line is, the reason I purchased it, it's just a great extra bike for me. You know what I'm saying? Um, I did 70 miles on it this morning. Yeah. Uh, it goes It goes places. You know what I'm saying? And I can... and. It's got an FMF pipe on. It's got a fuel programmer. It's set up a little bit better than a, than a stock bike. Yep. I actually had it in, in, in South Dakota uh, several weeks ago. Um, I did some hill climbs with it. Yeah. Um, I've done, I, I think I did, you know, a couple hundred miles on it. Yeah. Uh, up in South Dakota and out to Wyoming and such. And the bike did everything I needed it to do, you know? Yeah. And I was with guys with superior bikes, KTMs, 701, Husky, you know? And it, it rode right alongside them. Yeah, but it that's the, that's the okay. thing with that bike. And I tell people all the time, I said, man, Ed is the king of the 250s because that bike will do the business. It will, it will, it, here's the deal. It's not going to get there as fast as a 690, but it's going to yeah. get there. Make no mistake about it. And it ain't going to be too far behind. And I've, you know, I can do some single track on it. You see videos all over YouTube. Guys are doing single track on it, riding on a motocross tr- track, you know. It'll pretty much do everything. It's not a fancy, fancy bike, you know. Interestingly enough, I'll, I'll bring up somebody else who uh, this question was posed to Ryan F9. If people are familiar with him, mm-hmm. uh, uh, he did a he did a long podcast, and he was asked if you could have one bike. And this guy's you know up in Canada has had everything. Yeah, his one bike, interestingly enough, was a was a um, a, K, a Kawasaki KLX uh, 250. Right. You know. Basically, for the same reasons I'm saying, he, his heart is in the dirt. Yeah, and and uh, that was his answer, which I think surprised a lot of his viewers and maybe you know probably your 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 listeners as well. But that these bikes, these little two fifties, go everywhere, and they're the maintenance intervals are tremendous. You know. Yeah. Oh, the the inter, yeah the intervals are ridiculous in, in what they do. But the one thing that I that I, I like to always put a a a a finger on whenever you talk about these bikes is it's not so much that it's the 250 or whatever but the real big kicker about that bike is a it'll do all the things that you just said and i've said it a million times um you can manage it yourself you don't need any help from anybody you can pick it up yourself if you lay it down it's not overweight i mean you see these guys in these 1200s and all that stuff and at the end of the day lay that bike down and tell me if you can pick it up the odds are, if you're up in altitude, good luck. Yeah. All right, Joe. So what's, what's your answer? All right. <laughs> now, I agree with your... It's not a Japanese bike. <clears throat> it's not a Japanese bike. Now, I will agree with your pick. I think it's fantastic. It's a, it's it's totally 100%. And, and I've even done a video and said that the WR250R could potentially be one of the only bikes, if I had to have one, would be one. But... I have to take it a little bit of a step further since we're on the podcast and I'm talking to you. So my pick is um, it's a proven bike. It's been around. My heart is in really 
I like to call it the 60-40 range. I like 60% dirt, 40% road, but not just asphalt and concrete because for me, I have to actually truly get out on the road and get to where I'm going. Now, I do trailer, but we're taking the trailers out. This is just a bike. This is this is all we have. This is how we, we do our business and we want to have our fun. So I need something that I can truly get out on the highway. It's got enough power. Um, it's got six gears. It's comfortable. Um, it, I can, I can do everything that I need to do And the six gear is really not even a big deal to me. I don't care as long as it's not all revved out, you know, at like 70 miles an hour. I'm not one of those guys. Sure. that has got to go 90 everywhere he goes, but I also want to make sure that it's definitely set up for the dirt. Um, it's definitely in the weight ratio. Everybody that sits there and says that certain bikes are pigs, you know, they're like, they say the 690 is a pig. It weighs 300. It's like, brother, you've never ridden an adventure bike. Just, just stop. Just stop. You don't, you have no idea what you're talking about. If you've ever crunched miles on the highway, you've got to have a little bit of weight. You have to, it, it, the bike just sits there and it just, it, sure. it crawfishes everywhere. It's, it swerves unless you got a stabilizer. I've got one on my KTM. For that reason, because when I'm highway riding, it's the KTM's not a whole lot of fun. That's the 690 because it's it is light. It's only 315 pounds with no fuel in it. So, um, it it you gotta really need a stabilizer. So I'm getting to my point. I'm getting to my bike. Just All right, tight. the sus- the suspense is killing me, buddy. Ah, it's Get not to gonna it. kill you. Get so to anyway, it. <laughs> so 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 it has to have the off road. It, it it truly needs a 21 inch front tire, which your bike does. Um, I really like the 18 inch tire in the in, in the rear versus the 17. I think it handles better in the off road, especially over rocks and in ruts and sand, uh, versus a 17 inch rear. Um, my pick. And you can't, and they're hard to find. If you can find one, but since I can pick any bike I want, I, I, I'm going to get it. So, the KTM 640 Adventure, all right. And the reason being is it has the look. It doesn't weigh a whole lot. It's truly set up for the dirt. It weighs about 340 pounds wet. It's got a 2118 tire. It's got 56 horsepower which means it should be able to get on the highway it should be able to just do whatever it needs to do um yeah that's my pick man and not only that it had a 10-year span while it was out i've seen them out in the west and man they just they do fantastic off-road they kind of look like a little bit smaller version of the 690 but more like that 990 adventure setup, you know, but it's got the actual dirt front fender, which is nice. So it's not going to get gummed up in any mud sure. or any of that type of stuff. All right. Let me, let me ask you this and question lots, real quick. And lots of aftermarket parts, just like you. So I can put uh, extra stuff on there in gear. Have, have you ever ridden one? I haven't. And, but. You, all right. Let me ask another question. Do you know anybody who's got one? I do not. But I get to pick any <laughs> bike I want. That's the I'm, problem. Well, here, here's the deal. Guys don't let that's, them go, I mean, man. They don't. They, they don't get rid of them. They're like. They're like. I know. I know. But that's, that's that's a uh, that's a good pick. I don't. There's no problem with the pick, but it's not. I mean, a lot of our, your listeners here aren't going to find one of those. You know what I'm saying? They're just not. No, 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 no. That, I'm just. Here's the yeah. deal. It doesn't matter whether you can find it. I mean, I mean if you live here in Dallas, they can't even find Anybody. your bike unless they're going to go buy yeah. one. <laughs> I've seen one, but I've never ridden one. I've been. I've been run with one twice, but and I know it's a great bike. Um, you know, I, real quick, my second pl- I got to give you my second place uh, bike because it was so close to the first place, and that's a DRZ. Even though I said, uh, even though I said I wanted six gears, um, but th- that DR 
uh, I think in, in our riding group here in Nebraska, we have more DRZs than anything else. You know, that DRZ 400, that's 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 a real second. That's probably more popular than the uh, WR, and a great, I think it's a great starter bike and everything. So I don't think yeah, no, no, the, as a, as a budget bike. Yeah, the DRZ 400 is, um, it's again. Here's the deal. And it's the same thing with you. I mean, I totally agree with all your picks. You know, even the 640. It's like if they ever ridden one, you know, all types of stuff. It's just like the the WR. I mean, it's guys don't let them go. Just like the WR 250Rs. Yeah. They're hard to find. And if you do find one, it's one of two things. It's a guy that's just trying to get out of something. Um, but they're hard to find. And, and especially down here in Texas. Yeah, good luck, man. Good luck. That's why whenever you posted your WR 250R, I was like, really? Another one? You got another bike? And not only that, you picked up one of the bikes that I really want. I've been searching. That's why I had to settle for a 250L. It's because I couldn't find one. Yeah. They're literally, the they're like. The 250Ls are everywhere. Yeah, no. You know, that, you, your, your pick reminds me of uh, the Honda uh, XR 500R or 650R. Oh, the six. Well, my neighbor 650, has one. Yeah, you know the one that. Uh, am I saying it right? 650R. Yeah, there's a 600 and a 650R. Yeah, yeah. They're both they're both yeah. like Baja bikes, but my neighbor exactly. has the 650R um, right across the street from me in our neighborhood. And you want to talk about a bike that'll rip? That thing will flat rip. I'm actually going to be in New Jersey in the New Jersey Pine Barrens in, in a week and a half, and I'm going to be riding the 650 or 600. Or it's a 650 or 650. 600 there, well, there's there's two of them. There's a 600 and a 650. So either one you win. So <laughs> either way, matter. that's uh, that's I'm going to be visiting a childhood buddy of mine, and we're going to be riding in the Pine Barrens, kind of where the guys from Revzilla uh, yeah. ride. So you're going up there, and you're going to get to ride uh, either a 600 or a 650R. I think it's a 600. God, my buddy is a 600. That and he's also got a um, uh, Honda 450 um, with two letters on the back of it. Is it an RX or what the heck is it? You know, it's either an XR or no, it's a 450. It's a newer one. Uh, one of the new ones. I, it's an enduro, but he made it. He made it street legally. Put the lights on it and stuff like that. But right. It's not an. It's not a. It's not an X, but it's an. Anyway. He's got a real, he's got two, he's got, he's got about four or five real nice bikes. I'm going to ride a couple of them, so. Right. <laughs> nope. The, uh, um, yeah, that's my pick. I mean, if I could just have one. See, the thing is, is we didn't sit there and say, oh, it's something you're going to go out and go buy. So you got to keep that in mind. It's just, if, if you could yeah. only have one bike and you, and, and you can have ready available parts for it, what bike would you pick? Okay. Now, if you're sure. talking. If we're talking, if I can only have one bike on something that is still in production today, today, um, what would my pick be? Um, I would probably, it would either, I would probably lean more towards just because of the maintenance intervals. Um, I, on, yeah, it would definitely, yeah, it would definitely be your bike. It would be the WR250R only because. Um, I've been fascinated with that bike for the longest of times, the maintenance intervals and the, uh, the valve adjustments, or actually it's just a valve check at 21,000, um, for that bike. But the, the maintenance, I mean, the, the, the oil changes are just, just ridiculous. I mean, they're like 6,000 miles or something like yeah. that on that bike. Um, it's bulletproof. It's completely yeah. bulletproof. It's so proven. And when have you ever seen anybody? And I mean, not just, I mean, 
anybody write something bad about that bike. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> it doesn't enough, exist. I, 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 I picked up, again, here's the thing. Because I've, I've bought and sold so many bikes over the years, several years ago, my mother-in-law lives in, in like, near, near Oklahoma City. So, anyway, through a family connection, some guy with multimillionaire paid like $12,000 for two motorcycles, a, a, a Honda 250L and a WR250R. Yeah. $12,000, had him a year and a half or so for two years, put like less than 300 miles on both bikes. I picked them both up for seven grand. Um, it was an awesome deal. And my son and I brought him home. He flipped his right away, but I kept that WR for that summer. I put about six or 800 miles on it, but it was stock and I had the stock tires on it and I didn't like it as well. But the one I have now yeah. is not stock and it's got, you know, those new Tusk dual sport tires on it and, uh, I like those tires, by the seat. way. It's 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 got a you know it's just more comfortable, better, and and I'm really really enjoying it. Um, but uh, yes, I. Uh, um, and again, I drove I drove I drove eight hours or six hours or so to get that those two bikes. Oh right. Oh yeah. No, from where you're at, yeah, Oklahoma City is. And visited, is... I visited my mother-in-law while we we're down there and, and made a, made a vacation out of it. But uh, so I've driven some long ways to get bikes on, on occasion where yeah and, but that's 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 kind of what this is all about is what we're talking about is that you know sometimes it's not going to be a perfect scenario it's not going to be you know 10 miles from the house you know if you want it bad enough sometimes you're just going to have to put a little more than you're almost willing to do to go get it sure. but you can get a smoking deal if you're just willing to put a little extra into it you know but don't say that they're not out there because they exist and i've seen your farm of motorcycles over you know the last year and a half almost two years of going back and forth between you know youtube and and everything else i mean you've picked up a lot of bikes i've seen a lot of bikes go through your stuff so because you're posting them all the freaking time it's hard not to see them so but yeah i mean it's it just goes to show that you know what and then the cool thing is is now people can get the background of it is that you're not just out there, you know, just stroking a check for it out of your bank account, your personal bank account to go get them. You're just buying, you're flipping, adding, buying, flipping, adding, buying, flipping, adding before you know it. I mean, yeah. now you're at a point to where your 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 equipment is at a level that it's going to command good money. You know, it just is you know, what it is. And you're going to be able to get you, really nice bikes. Let me tell you another quick story. Uh, my son picked up a Harley last September um, in a package deal, actually. He yeah. bought a pickup truck, a, a snowplow, and a motorcycle. He only went for the snowplow. Right. Ended up getting all three, okay? Because the guy, my son had cash on hand, was able to do the deal. It took him about a week to get it done with the guy. I'm not going to go through all the exact numbers, but the bottom line is he paid about $4,500 for, um, for the Harley Davidson, okay? Right. The local dealership has offered him on two occasions $9,400 on a trade-in on that, on that motorcycle. Yeah. So I'm just saying these deals are out there, and I've taught my son, who was a teenager at the time, 13, to do this, so now where he's 22. And like I said, just in the, in the last, both of us in the last month, he made $1,400 on his mower and $1,000 on his, um, on, that, on that YZ. Right. And uh, I made $700 on a Yamaha uh bike i sold and i made a thousand dollars on a on a on a, on a uh on a suzuki you know um 
so these things do happen, you know. Uh, yeah, and I mean, anyway, that's, that's my message <clears throat> to everybody: is you know, look, look, study the market. There's a lot more to it, you know. I can get into some other time, but uh, yeah, you. I mean, you just you're going to have to put a little time into it. The thing is, yeah. is don't say that you can't. You can. You just have to be able to put the time in. That's what it really what it boils yeah. down to. You know, yeah. you can't build a house in one day. It just doesn't happen. You can. Yeah. I'm not going to sleep in it, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, just you know, it's, I mean, our little our little motorcycle passion obsession has turned into a hobby, and the hobby happens to make money and 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 funds our passion. So. Uh, that's that's kind of my story there. Yeah, and it's a win-win-win. I think it's really uh, it, it's a good story, and it's pretty cool. Just going to show you that it's not just you know you. It's 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 your son, and then some of the things in some techniques and and we tips. can get into some other time how much we ride because oh no 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 that's a whole that. that's a whole other podcast that's, that's a whole another 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 topic. Um, but. Uh, yeah, as far as <laughs> a whole other deal there. Yeah, yeah. As far as getting out and riding, I mean, that's a whole. That's like a whole other podcast. I mean, that's places you've been and all that type of stuff. We won't get into that. I'm sure we're going to do another podcast. I'm I'm fairly certain of that. All right. Before we cut this thing up, what do you got coming up? What trip are you? You got anything planned? What's it? Because I know you're a planner. You're you're real big on the planning of getting out and biking. So what's coming up? Because we're already. You know, unfortunately, the... I'm heading out of town for about for a short time right now. But our our guys in our group are actually heading out to uh, on a ride. Uh, well, this is dropping on Sunday, right? Yes, tomorrow. You know, so tomorrow those guys on Sunday. Uh, Today would be Sunday that this podcast will be out. There, we got a bunch of our guys all out in St. Paul, Nebraska, doing a, I think a hundred and twelve mile loop or something like that. I can't remember what it is. Yeah, they're doing a doing a nice dual sport route that I've done once before. But other than that, coming up, um, I've got this. Uh, there's a few things in between, but I'm going to go to Colorado in September, and I'm going to go this Adventure Palooza. Yeah, uh, down in Mexico, Missouri, with uh, a couple guys. Yeah, um, I got some people that were asking me, and I, I mean, if I can make it happen, I I would like to do it. It looks really cool. Um, yeah. I I don't know. We'll we'll just have to see. Yeah, there's a guy named Dale McIntosh and his buddy John. They they do a great job of putting an, org, an event together down there, and uh, it's a fantastic deal. Uh, however, a lot of my buddies have been. I've never. This is going to be my, my first time going, so I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, but Adventure Palooza in Mexico, Missouri, it's called. Yeah, it looks really, really cool. Um, from what I saw, and it looks like the routes are are pretty legit. They look like a lot of fun. I probably wouldn't go there on a big adventure bike. From what I've saw from the routes, I would either like be on a WR250 or you know a 690 or a 500 or a just a, a bike that 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 can handle you know some some decent off-road because it looks like sure, it's sure. it's going to be some uh um you know it, it's not it's not going to be a a street ride yeah it's a four it's a four for for me the route i'm going to go it's a 450 mile one-way trip uh there i'll be doing that on my 690 yeah actually. are you riding out or are you trailing i'm trailing down to near kansas city and we'll start from kansas city and do a 450 mile route to the sort of closer to the middle of the state and there's people from all four corners of the state all meeting. Uh, there'll be over 100 riders meeting in Mexico, Missouri. Uh, there's a, a north, east, south, and west route. Right. Uh, and everybody's going to, you know, uh, 
from all over the country are going to collaborate right there in, in uh, Mexico, Missouri. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Um, yeah, man, I need to, whatever. I'm going to figure it out. We're going to ride, man. We're going to ride. You and I are going to hook up. We're going to ride. I know, <laughs> I know you're not big on uh, adventure camping, getting in the dirt too much, but, um, but maybe we could plan something here between, uh, this year and next year where we can maybe split it up a little bit to where it's uh half and half or something you know but um that it because that would be fun it'd be fun to get out and ride um and uh uh, uh kind of tear it up do a little bit of off-road because it would be a lot of fun to just kind of um drop all the stuff because it's god it's so much fun but man i'm so used to have a gear on the back i really have to really make sure i'm on my game because i've ridden with some of you know, some subscribers and, and buddies that I've met through YouTube and social media. And I went and rode with them up in Arkansas. I don't know if you've ever been up in through the Arkansas in that area and some of those those uh, uh, trails and roads that are up there. There's some pretty good stuff up there, man. It's it's pretty gnarly stuff. But You know, twice I've been there on, on, on a – well, once on the KLR, once on a V-Strom, but I was with Harley, Harley kind of guys and it was yeah. a street ride. It's only two times I've ever been to Arkansas riding – but that's that's in the future. Um, I'm going to hit Missouri this year. I was we I was in uh, Garnett, Kansas, earlier this year, and I had a great event that they put on down there. And um, again, we'll talk into we'll get into how much I ride and where I go later on sometime. Oh yeah, no, we'll definitely do that. And I know you're fixing to have to slowly wrap it up because you got to pack. You're leaving tomorrow, um, headed across country to go handle your stuff, but. Um, yeah, I'll be riding the Jer- Jersey Pine Barrens. That's, yeah. that's another. God. And then I, well, actually, I'm going to ride one day down there, and I think we're going to do another day up in northern New Jersey, up in what's called Sussex County, which is the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be um, nice. That that ought to be real horrible to see. <laughs> I think I'm riding with a bunch of guys called the uh, Fat Guys Dirt Bike Club or something like really? that. Really? Yes, yes. Man. Up in their neck of the woods. God. Lucky. There's a, there's a Jersey, there's a Jersey dual sport group up there. I think they're I, I, something with the, something with fat guys or something like that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so oh. I'm looking forward to, to yeah to two places in Jersey riding. Nope. which is where I grew up. I'm I'm, I'm from Jersey, so it's not exactly my backyard, but uh, yeah. But near it, so yeah, it's like me. I mean, I I I grew up in Oklahoma. Um, and uh well i was born in oklahoma i was there until i was about eight or nine and then then in florida went to pancake land where there's like the worst riding in the world unless you're a harley rider um and then uh, from there back to oklahoma and then to texas and uh, i've been here for the last 14 years so um but yeah i mean even here there's a little bit of dirt you know we've talked about it but here you've got to it's it's a metro man it's you know it's like anywhere big in the country you've got to uh you, you got to ride to go get in it you know so yeah. um that's why you know a lot of my riding is that people are like well, why don't you go get in the dirt it's like dude the closest dirt is 60 miles so i gotta do a 120 mile flip just to go shoot a 10 minute video that's not gonna happen sure, <laughs> sure. i'm not gonna do that now if i just happen to be out in it then that's one thing, but you know, other than that, it's probably not going to happen. But I know we do a trip planned coming up in September. Um, uh, we're supposed to because the, the COVID thing, which is just driving me nuts. 
Um, we're supposed to be down in Big Bend, so we're supposed to be going and chewing that up for seven days. So that should be a lot of fun. Wow. Wow. Well, thanks for the opportunity to be on the podcast with you, pal. Yeah, man. No, I'm glad you're on. I think it's awesome. I think a lot of people are going to get some pretty good stuff, and and uh, I'm going to point a lot of people to the podcast, especially the the you know people that send me emails and stuff like that about writing, you know, and what to get and 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 what do they got to do to to try to you know. But I, I think that we could maybe have future podcasts of you know certain things that people could do to get into this sport and have a lot of fun and realize that, you know, it doesn't cost a whole lot to, to make this a reality. It really doesn't, you know, you can do it you just got to get your, you get your head wrapped around it and you got to, you, you, you can get me talking all day long about gear and how I purchase it and, oh, no, and we, how yeah. I get the deals on that. That's a whole nother, that's yeah. a whole nother podcast. Oh pal. yeah. And I got, <laughs> I got tons of gear too. So, I mean, that's kind of fun and we, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, we're not going to sit there and, and run this too, too deep into it, but I mean, I could see where we'll have definitely future podcasts. We may call it the, the chip and Joe show or something like that. And, <laughs> and, uh, we'll, 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 we'll come up with some really neat, um, uh, topics to talk about because the thing is is i mean we could just we could probably do a show just talking about helmets you know what i'm saying um, oh, yeah. and then boots and pants and and uh um, and he- headsets yeah oh yeah headsets. Places. yeah i saw your thing the other day on um both headsets uh like do's and don'ts or something like that i, I saw yeah, a post or yeah. something on the the, the new cena the cena uh, was it the, the 30 and the 30k and, the, and well this is there's a new firmware out there as of june to and then if you want your 30k to sync with the new 50ks you gotta you gotta update the firmware in your 30k yeah in fact i just i just had my first ride this morning with a guy who's got a 50k and uh two of us had 30ks and he had a 50 and you know all we do is turn our things on hit our button one time we're all three talking oh nice uh, they're just the, the technology is slick. That's a whole nother, like you said, like a whole other t- topic. Podcast yeah, right no, there. exactly. And I mean, yeah, we can talk about comms, good comms, comms that you've had, comms that you wish that you could get your money back on, and gear that you get your money back on. Everybody's bought stuff they wish they could get their money. On. And I've seen you, man. You, you got like a, a a swap meet every once in a while with uh, stuff that you're trying to get rid of. You're like, hey, I've got these pants and these boots, and i got all this stuff because you just don't use well, it Well, you know anymore. what's funny? Again, here's a little, little little pro tip. You know, when these people are selling their stuff, you know, yeah, or getting out of motorcycle riding, I will ask them, what else do you have in the garage? I will take their oil. Yeah. I will take their – I will take everything they have. Yeah. I'll, I'll take their – their kids' motorcycle helmet they're not using anymore. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. I I'll mean, load up the back of the truck. Not only I, I go there to buy just buy a motorcycle, I end up coming back with a, a truckload of other crap. Yeah. And I unload that for several hundred dollars. Yeah, because sometimes, you know? yeah, because sometimes, you know, they're getting rid of a bike. Maybe it was their sons or something like that. And Yeah, they're moving. Not, they're getting get, out of the, getting out of, getting out of the, uh, here's, here's another situation. I, I, I'll tell you the last story, and then I got to go, okay? Yep. Um, when I bought my 350, uh, KTM 350, and it was a big, big deal to me to go away from the Japanese bikes and spend a lot of money on this on this, on this bike, you know. Uh, my first step into, you know, spending thousands of dollars on a bike, okay. Well, I searched all over, and I couldn't find one here locally very well. I finally did find one out in Colorado, and again, another big road trip. I had to drive out to Colorado to get that damn thing. The bottom line is, though, the guy had it was like 53 years old. He'd been in he'd been in a uh, mountain biking accident, broke his shoulder. It was out of the motorcycle business. Yeah. That guy gave me basically everything he he owned: toolboxes, <laughs> oils, chest protectors, everything but his helmet. You know. Right. 
I walked out there with I walked out of there with not only the bike at a, at a fantastic deal. Yeah. But about eighteen hundred dollars, including and aluminum ramps and everything <laughs> else you could imagine. Uh, you know that he that he you know that the guy had acquired over a lifetime of riding KTM's. Yeah. Um. So so it's deals like that that not only do I get the bike for a good deal, you just got to ask the question. You know. Yeah. Uh, and the other my, anyway. Yeah. I, I can go on and on with stories. Oh, exactly. Well, the that's idea. the thing too. Just to just to kind of just take it one step further, you know, whenever you buy a bike or something like that, which is really kind of cool. Like if 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 I'm gonna go buy a used KTM, I'm just gonna throw even a WR or a KTM six ninety. Um, this, a lot of guys like to make them their own bikes. So they take off all the old parts that are from the factory and they upgrade it with new stuff. So those parts don't fit on another bike. They only fit on that bike. So a lot of times they just give you that stuff and that's hundreds and if not a thousand dollars worth of, of stuff that you would get for free because they're not going to get the same bike. It's like, if I'm not going to go buy another 690. And if I did, if I got a 2019 or a 2020, the stuff that I have now doesn't fit on it. Sure. It's no good to me anymore. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's, that's kind of one thing that you're saying. You can, you can pick up a bunch of extra free stuff because it's no good to them because it's not going to work on anything else. Yep. Alrighty, Joe. All I right, appreciate man. The time. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. And like I said, when you get back and things slow down a little bit, uh, let's plan on another one, and we'll make it another. We'll make it something else that's very interesting for other people because a lot of people will get a lot of good stuff out of today's podcast, which is really good. And I'm going to point it to a lot of these new intermediate riders so that they can listen in on it and uh, maybe it'll help them get them on their way to uh, not only getting into the sport, but making it into a hobby and maybe it can pay for itself somewhere down the road. Perfect. Perfect, man. Well, I appreciate you. Be safe. Uh, enjoy your fun riding wherever it is that you ride every other day that I get to see. And uh, I don't get to go, but uh, that's okay. That's, that's the world we live in and that's what we have. And, and it just so happens that, you're more of a bike guy than I am. So. <laughs> and I'm that's, not sure about that. I'm it, not sure about that, but we're definitely on the extreme ends. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, no, it is all good. Well, brother, you be good, be safe, uh, have fun on your trip, and then hit me up when you get back. Sounds good. All right, man. You take it easy. Thanks so much. Bye. All right, bye. All right, guys, that was Chip Monahan. Uh, super awesome guy. Like I said, he's really bikes and he's got tons of stories. He's got tons of stuff. He knows his gear. He knows his bikes. He knows all these things and it's really, really cool. And it was great sitting there chatting with them and talking and hopefully you stuck around. You get to hear all this kind of stuff, but you know, it's good stuff. And it just goes to show you that it doesn't really take everything to get into this stuff and do whatever. So if you are listening and whatever, and we are going to work on trying to have some, some extra stuff and, and, uh, and we're going to work on, I'm going to try to get with chip, um, and, uh, pick his brain even more because he's really knowledgeable and he knows a ton of stuff and he's owned lots of bikes and, uh, and the guy rides, he rides all the time. If you could see and view the places that he goes, he's always riding, he's always doing everything and it's all financed through what he does, which is picking up bikes, cleans them up, rides them, has a good time, flips them out a little bit, and uh, makes a little money. And it doesn't come out of his personal finances, which is really amazing. Anyway, hey, I'm Joe, Radio 690 ADB. Thank you so much for listening in. And uh, you guys have a great and fantastic weekend. Don't forget, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and uh, be part of the 690 ADV.
I'm Joe. Radio 690 ADV. Out. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.